welcome to State of Unity Podcast, where we talk with people who used to live the ordinary and are now living in the extraordinary. Lynn Yap is Managing Director of Activate Network, an organization that works to increase the inclusion of women in senior leadership. She's also a published author of The Altruistic Capitalist, where she speaks on how to build a business that is sustainable within the community, environment, and even its profits. Lynn Yap, thank you so much for joining me this morning. I'm really excited to speak with you. You have an incredible portfolio of leadership and positions and growth um, behind you. And I can only imagine what you have set out for yourself this year. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me, Kara. And that was a very generous introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So currently, from what I understand, your biggest project is the Activate Network, where you are partnering with companies to help create leadership programs for women. Yes. Exactly. The whole vision of Activate Network is to empower women to reach their highest potential. So that could be um, leadership positions in organizations. They could be uh, roles in technology and innovation. But what we want is to give women that space in order to come uh, to their fullest potential at work. Love that. And so what inspired you or what kind of sparked that vision? So... Uh, it, it started, I guess, when I was working still in investment banking. It is uh, very much male-dominated. And in that space, I was uh, focused on um, looking at deal flow in the tech space um, with the startup community. And again, there were lots of uh, men um, in, that, in entrepreneurship and tech and very few women. Um, and I thought to myself, well, what if um, what if it's a question of the, the funnel, right? Like there are very few women working in tech or starting their own business because there are very few women, you know, studying that. And then I went further up the funnel and I thought, well, maybe it is at a younger stage where women don't have the right role models. They don't um, have women, other women to guide them and help them into these different career paths. And so I... I thought, well, what if we started a, a program called uh, Activate Network um, that helped then provide young women in the community, so high school students, with role models of women who are working in technology and leadership. And we also provide women who are work already working in that space, because the other thing is women tend to fall out uh, midway in their career. What if we then also use this program to help women gain more confidence as leaders, build community within themselves, and that helps as well put, um, promote them and move them further up the organization. So that's the idea behind Activate Network to empower the women who are already working um, in technology and innovation that also helps to uh, inspire and encourage girls in high school now to explore these career paths. Wonderful. Um, And how long have you been working with that organization? So I started it about three years ago. Um, And and before that, um, I was already working with different schools, um, 
so I understand a little bit of what the issue is from the girls' perspective as well. Um, high school uh, girls in high school, there is still that mental um, that mental block that or science and math that's not an area for uh, for girls. So there's a little bit of reluctance to go into that. Um, in terms of the um, lower income community, for instance, there's also fewer role models, and so that's why the program that I launched at Activate Network was based on the conversations that I've had over the years um, with some of the um, schools that I've volunteered at. That's great. Um, sounds like you have a, a diverse group of youth that you're reaching with that, which is, I think, great to see. And hopefully, in, you know, a couple of years, or I guess three years old, you know, you start to have your first graduates and start to see mm -hmm. the industry get a, a little bit more saturated with females and different races and diversity. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, it's very inspiring to see how just in three months, how much more confident the girls are uh, mm -hmm. graduating from the program to have someone outside from their own community, outside their um, neighbors, outside their parents and family, pay attention to them, asking them, oh, what is mm -hmm. it that you're interested in from a career perspective? Um, what are their ideas in terms of what the impact they want to have on the world? I think that time invested in, in uh, that, that time invested gives the girls a lot of confidence and also encourages them to spend more time and to invest their own efforts in their own education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. I know. So myself, I grew up in, and I don't know if this is different based on the size of the school or anything like that, but I remember growing up not really thinking, you know, the, the options of a career it wasn't a very big box, if that makes sense. So, you know, maybe you, you have like your main, a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, you know, not a big variety of things. And I, I think, and I hope that organizations like this help not only girls see that there are these other opportunities out there, but feel like they are achievable as well. Cause I, I think that's another part of it as well as you see these things out there, but they seem so far out of reach that you don't even really consider it. So um, I think, like you said, having that that partnership with somebody who believes in them, and mm -hmm. I'm sure that transformation has just got to be, um, yeah, just life-changing for them. Indeed, I hope that they do remember it. Um, and I would like to pull on that thread a little bit more. I know you've traveled a lot um, out in Southeast Asia as well, and you've talked to kids in that region, what um, what do you think are issues in that for them to achieve their highest potential? Mm, yeah, so one of my most impactful experiences I ever had was actually in Cambodia. We were at an orphanage there and the kids were so filled with life and smiles. They spoke perfect English and they're ranging from probably two years to I think like 17 or 18 years old. And they were all talking to us about what they wanted to do when they grew up. And it was everything from, I think there was like an astronaut, computer scientists, um, IT, marketing, doctors, and, you know, their, their dreams and their ambition and their smiles and their attitudes are no different than a child growing up in a first world country. But looking at their surroundings, my mind says, how can they see this as possible? How is this possible? Because 
I don't see electricity. I don't see like it, it just doesn't look like what I would expect someone to achieve with that. So, um, and I, I didn't really know much about what their resources were for education, but I think my takeaway was the drive and the ambition is the same. It's the resources that are different. So if you would ask me that, the one factor that I think makes all the difference is the access to resources. Mm -hmm. And that is related to teaching resources? Or are we talking more about, or, or mentorship even? Or are we talking more basic like books and internet and laptops? I think both, honestly. Um, I mean, you can't, yeah, I think both. Mm -hmm. I know that was a big thing in Peru as well, is just having them, having the kids have access to computers and the internet, because without that, you can't really be the very competitive in today's market. So it's really important that these kids have those resources to grow up with, because otherwise they'll be at such a disadvantage and if they do make it to college and you haven't worked with the internet yet, that's a whole hurdle in itself. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? And I think the whole COVID-19 pandemic has uh, exacerbated the whole gap, the whole situation and the enlarging the, the gap because um, you will see that those who have the means and the resources at home with uh, fully functioning internet and laptops compared to even the, the, the students I work with, they didn't even have that when uh, in spring of 2020, mm. they couldn't continue their lessons because they didn't have internet at home. They didn't have right. computers. How could they continue with lessons? Yeah. Um, and it's such a, it's really unfortunate what has happened with, um, what has happened with the pandemic. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's probably going to be a ripple effect that we'll see for, years if not decades unfortunately um i forgot to ask i wanted to ask you with the activate network is that something that is only offered in a specific area or is that nationwide or how do people get involved in that so the great thing about um covid19 is that uh it transition i mean i i'm very optimistic i'm a very optimistic person uh, uh, it, it also then um I, I, well after after the students the school i work with uh once the students were back in school and had access to computers and laptops and internet um it, it became a virtual program 100 virtual program and that meant access to mentors globally. And so we've had programs, not only mentors from the US, but also from Europe. We've even had uh, mentors from South Africa, from India, um, all within the same program. And that to a certain extent is allowing the student to travel um, as, as well. Uh, they get to see, oh, this is how things are done in a different way. Uh, and it's opened their minds and their perspectives to, to, to the world. It's like, oh, I can, there are so many things and there's so many places that that uh, I, I can go to. I can that I can do a lot of things. So that's one good thing. It's basically open it up, um, uh, open up the, the 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 world to to the students in that way. Yeah. So it's a global program now. Um, uh, the other thing that the global uh, that the pandemic did was because I couldn't deliver any programs for a period of time while students were. Um, 
we're all in lockdown and the students don't have access to computers, uh, was that I published a book, The Altruistic Capitalist. And that's kind of how um, the whole book journey started because I was, well, you know, uh, everything is stalled for the time being. I've always uh, thought of writing a book or publishing a book. Um, this is a bit about as good a time as any to, to finally do that. And so that's kind of how the altruistic capitalist came to be. And what is, so can you share a little bit about what that's about? Of course, Kara. Uh, so um, the book about how different business leaders have created a positive impact, not only on the environment and the communities around them, as well as the people and their, and their teams, uh, but also grow business sustainably. I think um, some of the days uh, that that businesses and companies have got into um, recent in recent years is that we're too focused on the short term financial uh, gains in the short term, um, and that means taking shortcuts, which doesn't mm -hmm. bode well for the long term, either for um, for our employees, for our team for our team's development, for the communities that we operate in, and neither for the environment. I think um, we need now, even if you look at the state of climate change today, not only do we have to do no harm, I think we have to start thinking of how can we help regenerate the environment? Because if we don't have, we, we don't have um, the natural world in good, a good state, uh, raw materials will be very expensive. It's going to be so much more expensive for us to do business in the future anyway. So in the long term, it will be bad for us financially. Uh, so better to think ahead and think in the long term, how is it that we can regenerate the environment? How is it that we, how might we develop our, the people in our teams, um, help them grow because um, the job market is changing. How can we retrain them, provide them with meaningful work? Um, and also to take care of our, the communities around us. How can we, how might we rebalance and address some of the inequalities that exist in our society mm -hmm. today? It sounds like a lot of really great information. I love seeing this tip in just make as much money as you can and not worry about what or who it hurts to how can we do this so that everybody wins? And it's such a beautiful change in perspective. And I also, I feel like along that same wavelength, consumers don't realize how much power they have when they're making these purchasing decisions. And when companies that are making these conscious efforts and they're being vocal about it, and as consumers that we can be vocal about, we're purchasing from these companies because they're making these choices that are going to help everything continue to survive for you know, longer than 30 years or whatever the track is now. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. There's so many options out there for us consumers that it's not just um, all about price anymore. We care more about, uh, we care about the product and about the quality, about the price and about the impact. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of, um, we have a lot of power as consumers. We also have a lot of power as employees. We can choose who we want to work with because uh, there is a big uh, war for talent and for good people right now. So also if you don't have, if companies and leaders don't have the, the right structure, the right culture to provide people with 
um, purpose-driven work, meaningful work, I, I think they will eventually lose their competitive edge for, for talent, for teams. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the same um, uh, as, as investors as well. Um, the likes of Robinhood, for instance, has made it easier and more accessible for people to invest in companies. And so we might think about investing in companies that we are, feel more aligned with from a purpose perspective. Um, and it only hurts the it only hurts companies if they are not more conscious. If business leaders are not as conscious of, in terms of how they are leading, how they are leading their companies. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and that I can kind of see the similarities, but also I see almost two opposite ends. So you have this amazing program helping build up women, and then you have this other this book about these companies and how they can make the world a better place. So what you must come from a diverse background to have all of these interests that you're so passionate about. Yes, uh, indeed. And I don't, I mean, I, I didn't really plan my life this way. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and I've lived in eight different countries. I speak eight languages. Uh, and it just so happened that I was given the opportunity um, to work in Hong Kong. And uh, that kind of started the whole travel bug, if you like. I, I have then had the opportunity to work on different projects uh, from Italy to Spain to Germany. Uh, so lots of different places in which that uh, in which I've, I've, I've spent some time in. Um, I also believe in learning someone else's language in order to connect with them and better integrate in the community. Um, and, and that gives me an insight and to see the world through their eyes. That has helped me to become more empathetic, um, to be more creative as well, because when I'm able to adopt other people's perspective I, I, uh, and, and be more empathetic, I can create solutions that, I guess, absorb the different uh, the different sides of the story that I see. Um, so yeah, that is um, that is that is um, my my soul story and how travel has has changed my life. You know, when the um, all the lockdowns started happening and mm -hmm. my life kind of tipped in an unexpected direction as well. Um, I had so I had been to Malaysia prior and I absolutely loved it. And so I actually started applying for the my second home Malaysia right, application, yeah. but they of course stopped everything because of COVID. But yeah, so I love your country. It's the people, the food, the the landscape. It's one of the most amazing places I've ever been. Oh, thank you so much. That's very <laughs> kind of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so I'm also I'm working on trying to get fluent again in Spanish and mm -hmm. it's hard because people know I speak English so people who do speak Spanish even if I say no 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 just speak Spanish I'm trying to get better at it and you know they'll do one or two sentences and I struggle and then they'll switch back to English so someone who speaks eight languages do you have any tips on how to learn a new language uh, I've generally learned the language while I'm in location, so I didn't, it wasn't like a submersion. Yeah. Yeah. The complete submersion where there's absolutely no way of, um, uh, avoiding it. You see it on the street signs, you see it on, at the restaurant and in, in, on menus and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's the more or less the best 
way to learn it and to be stubborn. I remember when I was in Berlin, um, just as you say, the locals will just launch into English because they see that you're a foreigner and you're right. butchering their language. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I feel that if you know you stubbornly stick at it, they, they will appreciate it and they will be quite supportive in that. So. Okay. So what I'm hearing is I need to go to a Spanish speaking country for a while. And yes. just hang out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Done. <laughs> uh, well, you have a, is, uh, oh, go oh, ahead. Sorry. I was going to say as well. Uh, I, I mean, sometimes we don't have to look very far. There are people in our communities who might be native speakers of Spanish, for instance. Uh, if you go and hang out where they where they hang out and just you know, just if they speak in English, you reply back in Spanish, whatever version that is. <laughs> and the other thing is um, not to be too self-conscious about it. I know I sound terrible. That's the hardest I don't part. Have, I don't, I'm not perfect. Um, I, I, I sometimes forget the conjugation of a verb and I just use the infinitive version. But I think as long as you persist, uh, eventually you get better. And I'm not... Mm -hmm. I, I, I laugh at myself too. I make up like words sometimes because I forget the conjugation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you use the, like the wrong word for something and say something completely wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that happens. That's part of the language process. Mm -hmm. um, well, you have your hands in a lot of different pockets. So what can we do to help support you and help build up your mission? Oh, thank you. That's really kind. Um, for me, the whole... Um, altruistic capitalist book is um, it's about storytelling. It's about inspiring others to do good as well. So what I would say is um, to share, um, if you're listening to this podcast, to share this episode with someone else, to inspire someone else to be more conscious about where they buy from, to be more conscious of the companies they work with and who they invest in. Um, all proceeds for the altruistic capitalist, um, the book, actually are, are donated back to nonprofits and charities that work in um, on education or uh, causes for girls. So um, just share with someone else the episode. Uh, and yeah, I think all, we can all make a, a difference that way. Wonderful. I'll definitely be getting a copy because that's a topic that I'm very interested in and I'm happy to support you in that way. Thank you so much, Kara. <laughs> um, so I do have one fun question that I like to ask all of my guests, and that is if you were to be given a sailboat to sail around the world in, and your only job is to give her a name, what would you name it? <laughs> uh, that's a very good question. I quite like that. Um, I, I would say Carencia. That's Q-U-E-R-E-N-C-I-A. And that's a Spanish word uh, for the feeling that you get of... Um, when you're home in a place, and that might not be where you actually live, but it's where you go to recharge and to feel whole again. Oh, that yes, is yeah. beautiful. I might have to steal that one. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Of course, the person who speaks eight languages would have a good answer for that. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for talking with me, Lynn. It's been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to supporting you in your future endeavors. If there's anything I can do to help you out further, please do not hesitate to reach out. And I hope you stay in contact as well. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Kara. That was a real pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please like, subscribe, and share with someone who may find it interesting as well. Also, be sure to check out stateofunity.org to view our upcoming trips. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to catch you next week.